Tis the season to find glimmers. Join us as we break script to find the glimmers and the triggers in Hallmark movies and The Way Home. So grab your preferred cup of cheer with fa-la-la-la-la and knee, knee, knee. Welcome back to the Breaking Script Podcast with Lella and Nini. I'm Lella. And I'm Nini. And if you're new here, this is a podcast where we review Hallmark movies in a meaningful way to make your Hallmark countdown to Christmas more than an escape or just some background noise. We will eventually get to Asian dramas, but right now we are obsessed with The Way Home and we'll be reviewing it through the completion of season two in 2024. So we have four unique segments that we give you to guide to break script with the healthy and unhealthy romantic and family relationships, as well as behaviors in these movies. So we always start with a Hallmark movie summary that has been likened by fans to an audio spa, you know, like the old school radio story time. So even if you haven't had a chance to watch the movie or you don't have access, you can still have an experience as if you did. That way you can follow along our boba ratings and our four unique segments of breaking script that magically turned your Hallmark movie into a meaningful self-care session. We've got four segments. What's love got to do with it? Ah, yeah, don't go chasing waterfalls. And ayu oi with the poodles already. And we end with jayo. Happily ever after. Our goal is to give you glimmers on a platter, basically, or to help you move through your window of tolerance or traffic lights of tolerance, however you like to refer to them. And that is how we break script here. We have some housekeeping here to take care of. So we just wanted to let you know that we have our updated Christmas movie watching journal, complete with the way home unique segments and a self care guide that comes with basic instructions for breath work, grounding techniques, and some vagus nerve toning exercises. So it's 75% off still as of the day that this is published. Look in the show notes for the details. And if you want to share with friends and gift it to them, just put their your friend's email in mm-hmm. and it'll send it right to them. And we have a gift guide, you guys. Yeah. Lala and Nini's favorite things. So we cannot live without so be looking for that. And then our TBS, the Breaking Script Podcast merch and holiday cookbook are coming out next. So many things going on here. Very, very exciting. Very exciting. So neat, Lala. I said so neat. <laughs> Tell us what you've been up to. Uh, I just came back from Mexico, from Cancun. Uh, I was there for a friend's wedding. I'd never been to a destination wedding before, but it was stunning. It was right on the beach. You could see and hear the waves. It was beautiful. It was seven days of relaxing. It took me four to actually get to the point of relaxing, but the last (laughs) three, I felt very relaxed. Uh, Yeah, but it was so warm. It was 30 degrees Celsius every single day. And then we came home mm-hmm. to snow and like minus three degrees Celsius. So it was a drastic oh, change, goodness. but yes. I'm, I'm happy to be home. I feel refreshed, energized, and I loved listening to your guest, Nini, that you had while I was away. Isn't she amazing? Amazing. It was, it was such a great episode. Yeah. If you haven't listened yet, um, Lala is referring to our first 
episode where we had a special guest, Heidi Mills was our first guest, and I felt like it was so appropriate. Um, so be sure to go back and listen to that because we had, I don't know, what was it, like 45 minutes of profound seriously discussion followed by we still reviewed a Hallmark movie, though. I felt I like I was really impressed by that. <laughs> I know. I have to say my favorite part of the episode was uh, when you and Heidi were talking about um, betrayal trauma and just... Mm-hmm. I think it's such a new understanding that negative experiences a lot of times come with trauma and we don't recognize that that needs to be dealt with. And especially when you grow up and the number one um, option that is given to you is just Mm -hmm. biblical counseling, which is totally fine. There's nothing against biblical counseling. I love that. But a lot of times we need outside resources to deal with the real trauma that comes along with you know Mm -hmm. our our experiences and then I also loved what Heidi said about um when it comes to like reconciliation or things like that like forgiveness isn't always the first step which was profound to me because in my mind that's always the first step you forgive and then you kind of move through the process of getting on yeah so yeah, I learned so much. It's so good that you pointed that out because I was thinking as I was listening to the podcast episode <laughs> in part of our parenting, we were taught like when you're like in sibling situations, like if one mm-hmm. sibling harms the other, you have them say, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? Like it's yeah. almost said <laughs> in the same breath. Yes. And then I was actually thinking during the podcast, like, ooh, I've made a shift, but I never informed my children that there was a shift we just started to shift where it was like oh you're not always prepared like especially if there was an accident or like um a sibling hit you like not hit you on purpose like not in an abusive way but you know what I mean like you react Mm -hmm. um and you hit them harder than you thought it was going to be but the one that's hurt is still in shock yeah um and they need a moment so you cannot say in that same breath will you please forgive me and expect them to respond right while they're still like 10 at a heightened state yeah yeah so that was I was like oh I don't think I explained that to my children but our verbiage Mm -hmm. my language has changed to where it's like oh you've got to give them some space a little bit first yeah um where it's not like you're expecting in the same breath for them to forgive you immediately it doesn't work that way And you make, you cannot demand forgiveness No, because no. that started to become a thing, especially when they were younger, like she of won't course. forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that doesn't work. That is when we talk about with the kids and this is something new I've learned in the last couple of years that when we talk about boundaries, we use the uh, terminology of circles of responsibility Mm. And a counselor actually used like, you can use hula hoops and show the kids. I never did that. I just explained circles of responsibility. <laughs> that would be helpful for them. But the question is, is that in your circle of responsibility? When you ask for forgiveness, if they forgive you or not, is not in your right circle of responsibility. So anyway, it was, I think, I think the most profound thing for me in that episode with Heidi is, um, recognizing that everything that we talked about also applies to organizations as well. Like you can have a relationship with a group and anytime there's um, deception or you're not sure what's true or not, right. that can also happen in a group setting. So I thought it was just 
the way the conversation went, I felt Heidi is just so wise and she's just so tuned. So be sure to get her boundaries workbook. I believe it's still on sale and um, she's coming out with her soul care 75 workbook soon. So thank you to all of you listeners who joined us because of Heidi. I see you mm-hmm. <laughs> Our that episode definitely spiked our listenership. So I love it. Well, today I feel like it's just so appropriate. It's <laughs> today's show uh, in the glimmers. I actually give a definition of trauma. Oh, even though it was like the epitome of a romantic comedy, like it was just like a light and fluffy show. I didn't think I was going to go in that direction. Yeah. My are face you, is shocked. shocked. Yeah. I, 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 I had no it. idea this is where we're going. Okay. I'm ready. But it's so interesting because I don't feel any like heaviness at all. Right. Because this movie like totally brings it was like all the Christmas feels. In fact, I had even yeah. feels while I was doing the notes for it. We were literally mm. when I was finishing the notes, we were literally at like, you know, three wise men and a baby. They talked the um, what was his name? Taylor's Tay. Taylor's yeah. girlfriend was talking about doing like an LED show that she was programming. Yeah. So I literally was at like a three wise men and a baby style LED Christmas light show. Wow. In Kansas City, we have one at a um a kids farm. Oh, the farm cool. shut down during the winter. But 10 years ago, they started doing Christmas lights. So it's literally like a 45 minute long show. Whoa. And I was watching it with my kids and they love it so much. Aw. Anyways, if you listen to episode six coming up next of the way home. You will find out what rating I give the Santa Summit. I know Lala probably hasn't watched a bunch of um, Countdown to Christmas movies, but somehow I did. Don't ask me how. I don't know how I have time for these things. It just make it make sense. It doesn't make sense to me, but somehow I do. And my kids' favorite song in the 45 minutes, the one that they sing to the most, I don't know if it's their favorite, but like all of them will start bouncing around, is um, Must Be Santa. I did not know that song. I don't know this song. Show. Are you familiar? Okay. Tune into the next episode to find out <laughs> more about this song. Okay. Um, but anyways, this movie just brings me all the feels. So should we just dive into it? Let's go. Let's get this party started. The sequel of Howl Out the Holly, Lit Up, premiered on the Hallmark Channel on Saturday of American Thanksgiving, November 25th, 2023. Starring Lacey Chabert as Emily Melrose and starring Wes Brown as Jared, who is Emily's boyfriend. And of course, we have to mention Stephen Toblowski as Ned, Melissa Peterman as Pamela, and Ellen Travolta, yes, that Travolta, as Mary Louise. This makes it a true hallmark romantic comedy we're going back to evergreen lane not to be confused with the hallmark series of christmas in evergreen this is evergreen lane not the town of haul out the holly which is hopefully going to be a trilogy by 2024 let me know what you think this lovely comedy opens with the christmas feels as the entire neighborhood is out decorating their street together Unlike last year, the entry banner to welcome people to Evergreen Lane is already up and flanked by huge inflatable nutcrackers on either side. And then we enjoy such cute banter between Emily and Jared, who are officially boyfriend and girlfriend now. They banter about possibly one day having only one house to decorate instead of two. 
we learn that one of the neighbors named the Chapmans have moved out of the neighborhood. The entire HOA crew is out in front of the empty house, wondering who their neighbors are going to be. They're all super nervous. They definitely don't want neighbors who are Grinches in hiding, as evidenced by the fact that they may wear beanies without pom-poms. Jared brings holiday treats for Emily to take to the HOA meeting that she has to handle solo because apparently he has to go meet with the Millers about their remodel. This has caused him to miss many HOA meetings. What Emily doesn't know that we, the audience, get to peek in on is that he hasn't been meeting with the Millers. In fact, he's been planning, and drumroll please, a proposal, and he is shopping for the biggest ring I have ever seen. I mean, it looks bigger than JLo's. This isn't just any proposal, it's bigger than any block party Jared has ever planned because those are just so easy for him. He's had to coordinate a horse and buggy, a string quartet, a glass blower, an ornamental locksmith, an Austrian composer to write original Christmas music. He says he's a simple man, but doesn't do simple plans. At the HOA meeting sans Jared, there's drama over Ned not getting his Christmas cruller. That's finally interrupted by Ellen Travolta, oh, I mean Mary Louise, announcing that she's found out from a friend who snapped her, on Snapchat that is, that it's the Jolly Johnsons that are moving into their neighborhood. I thought she was gonna have a heart attack, y'all. Emily is the only one who doesn't know who the Jolly Johnsons are, and they are moving to Evergreen Lane in less than 39 hours. Chaos ensues because they are the reigning champions of Ho-Ho House. Apparently, that is a holiday reality show. Apparently, Pamela has printed pictures of the Jolly Johnsons to put on her vision board. They are Christmas reality show celebrities. No, that's not enough. Nobility, royalty, etc. Jared has binged their show without Emily. They are his holiday heroes, and he is so excited for what the Jolly Johnsons are going to bring to the neighborhood. I mean, they bring roof cred with them, apparently. In a conversation with her BFF named Jess, Emily mentioned she's concerned with how distracted Jared has been this holiday season, missing HOA meetings, and now that the Jolly Johnsons are moving in, she is extra nervous about the effects on Jared. He's been practicing for their arrival greeting with costume changes and musical arrangements. The neighborhood gathers in front of the house again, in the driveway, in anticipation with welcome signs and gifts, and even a special edition of the HOA rules and regulations with hand-sewn pleather cover. And they even have cameras with them. But when the Jolly Johnsons finally arrive, most of them are starstruck, awkward, and in awe of the separate truck the Johnsons have for their year-round holiday decorations. And of course, the neighbors need to put all the cameras away because the media requests need to go through the Jolly Johnsons agent. They insist that they are just a normal family and don't want any special treatment. Emily invites the Jolly Johnsons to the next HOA meeting, which of course is happening the next day. And of course, the Christmas lighting just happens to be taking place that night of their arrival. So at this Christmas tree lighting, the Jolly Johnsons steal the show, and basically the rest of the movie is more of the same narcissistic, toxic, vacillating, covertly manipulative behavior. I really don't feel like we need to go into the details of all every annoying, divisive behavior. It escalates right away the next day at the HOA meeting. Emily is trying to explain her hard work with the changing of the Christmas calendar of activities for the neighborhood. But there is an insurrection that ends with a motion for amending the rules and regulations, of course, initiated by Jane of the Jolly Johnsons. That's the mom. Emily is venting that night about the HOA meeting as she works in the kitchen, but Jared is distracted trying to decide how many horses to get for the proposal. 
They're apparently preparing for the Jolly Johnsons to come over for dinner during this conversation. The Johnsons say they don't want to upstage as they continue to upstage everyone, including Jared and Emily, at every turn of this conversation at this awkward gathering. Then we find out that Jane Johnson has not only edited, but actually changed Emily's entire Christmas calendar schedule for the neighborhood. And she even already went ahead and sent it out to the entire neighborhood. You don't want to miss Mary Louise's practice run of speed wrapping that she mistook as like hip hop wrapping instead of Christmas wrapping paper wrapping. For the rest of the movie, every time a neighbor gets the cojones to confront the Johnsons on their inappropriate, unkind, disrespectful, and even citation-worthy behavior, they end up getting enamored by something or manipulated by the Jolly Johnsons out of doing so, and they leave a little confused. This includes Emily and Jared when they themselves try to confront the Jolly Johnsons, and instead, Jared gets the nickname Jingle Jared because Emily finds him jamming with the Johnsons on a guitar. Emily is super flustered, but even more so flustered in awe that the Johnsons attended a Nickelback secret Christmas concert. They leave without confronting at all, just in awe. The next morning, the entire neighborhood wakes up to the unlawful placement of sonic amplitude amplitude devices in the yard of every home in the neighborhood in the form of speaker gnomes. Don't know what that is? I didn't either. They're adorable gnomes that are also speakers except they play the Jolly Johnson family themselves singing Christmas carols in the most annoying voices ever 24-7 all day every day non-stop. Neighbors are literally holding their ears as they walk around the neighborhood. Hence the need for the use of the words subterfuge and psychological warfare in a Hallmark movie. And finally, the straw that breaks the camel's back that gives Jared the unction to finally bravely hand out a citation is when Joe in turns gives Jared the honor of flipping their home's Christmas switch. Because what Jared doesn't know is that that citation does jack squat. The Johnsons don't intend to comply with any citations, and what makes even less sense is that their consequence to said citation is a mandatory attendance at Jared's white elephant ugly Christmas sweater party. The neighborhood gathers to try to strategize how they're either going to go to battle or kill the Johnsons with kindness or just avoid them. It turns out the cookie contents attendance was cut in half due to the Jolly Johnsons competing activities. And somehow, in midst of it all, the Jolly Johnsons convince Ned to be on their side and uses him against his own neighborhood. Textbook, omo omo, Nardar behavior. If you don't know what that is, you must listen to our breakdown. It comes out in our aya don't go chasing waterfall segment. Then even more of the neighborhood ends up turning against one another and Jared and Emily end up getting snowballs thrown at them while they're just driving around in a golf cart and they are ambushed. When they go to give the Jolly Johnsons dozens of citations, it doesn't end well. The Jolly Johnsons show up at Jared's door the night of the white elephant party and officially withdraw from the HOA with Ned backing them up. What a traitor but they're only there to announce that they're not joining this ugly Christmas sweater party. They're holding their own Yuletide jam instead. And even Joe Johnson yells, Viva la resistance! Emily immediately dismisses Ned from Santa's helpers and he is forced to hand over his walkie. Emily ends up calling in the cavalry she refers to as silver and gold leaders as she switches to channel 12 emergency mode on the walkie. It's her parents, 
Her parents are Silver and Gold Leader, and they show up in war mode to strategize how to beat these Jolly Johnsons into participation. Instead, Jane has an idea for Christmas games and tricks Emily into participating by calling her a Grinch. You can call Emily's reaction a textbook reactive victim when someone has been pushed too far. So Emily and Jane Johnson compete for HOA control in the Christmas games, which consists of a variety of competitive Christmas activities. I didn't know there were such things like wreath making and gingerbread construction and ice sculpting and Christmas cocktail mixing and holiday trivia and so much more. The winner will be the Christmas goat. Emily is considered a hero for being willing to do this and win and save Christmas for the neighborhood. Her posse has shiny red matching team jackets and when they gather for the announcement of the winner, Emily stops them and implores on the neighborhood just to love one another. And so she withdraws from this competition, not because she's going to lose, but because she just wants a Christmas full of love and tells Jane, you win, I surrender. This unrealistically melts Jane's heart after some pushback. And this is why it's a Hallmark movie because Jane replies with, all she wants is just to be a part and belong to Evergreen Lane. And somehow it reminded Jane what Christmas used to be before they were the Jolly Johnsons. Jane and Emily hug and they all live happily ever after. Oh wait, that's not the end. The night of the Christmas games, the entire neighborhood is still buzzy. People are still at the hot cocoa cart and arts and crafts booth and etc. when all of a sudden Ned shows up with horses and a sleigh and huge long stem roses that he presents to Emily, who doesn't know what's happening. The neighbors are lining the streets holding sparklers along Emily's two horse open sleigh journey that she is riding with Ned. Why is Ned riding with her? I don't know. This beautiful trail of neighbors holding sparklers ends with Jared. Jared is standing there waiting for Emily. He just wanted to get Emily alone with the string quartet. He holds out an ornament that opens up to reveal that huge engagement ring we saw earlier. I mean, it's gotta be like 15 carats. It's a huge ring. Why does it need to be so huge? Like, what does he do for a living? Anyway, will there be a wedding next year? We shall see, but for now, that's the conclusion of Haul Out the Holly, the lit version. Okay, now is a part of our episode where we give this movie our ratings, and it is all out of 10 bobas. We have four categories. We have writing out of 10 bobas, characters out of 10 bobas, how funny it was, and our overall rating. So, Nini, what did you give the writing of Haul Out the Holly all lit up? I gave it an eight. I mean, it kind of overlaps with the laughs ratings, but I just felt like it was written. There was more thought put into it. That's no offense to all the other shows at Hallmark writers, but there was an extra thought put into this. Let's put it that way. It was like there was more research. They were wittier jokes. Yes, 100% agree. I gave this a nine. This movie. It, what? Yeah, I know this movie grabbed me from the beginning. And yes, I echo everything that you said. It felt like it was well-researched. The jokes were funnier. They had more banter that just like yes. on the side characters. Um, We can get into why I gave it that rating later, but yes. what about the characters? What do you give the characters? I loved it because a lot of times like the side characters aren't as... um 
you know, developed as the leads. But I felt yes. like obviously Melissa Peterman and Stephen Tobowski and Ellen Travolta. Yes, that Travolta. She's John's sister. Um, and even the parents, Emily's parents, like yes. they help to make the movie. Oh, and fun fact. Okay. I don't know if you picked this up because I sure didn't because I didn't. I was I maybe watched like one episode of Party of Five, so I don't know anything. Mm. But Jennifer Aspen, who played the mom of the Jolly Johnsons, was in Party of Five. Oh, she was? I don't know. Yeah, I looked, oh up, my gosh. I looked her up on IMDb. I was like, whoa, Lacey is like queen of Christmas. She's like, I don't know. How does this work? Like, does she just get to pick like, because she's executive producer. So oh. she must be at the point where she's like, she's also helped, you know, writing. So like she got to do um, Merry Scottish Christmas with Scott right her brother we're gonna talk about that later and then she did and then she had jennifer aspen from party of five in here maybe they've done other projects together i don't know but anyways mm. i really hated the johnsons i thought they did a fantastic job with that seriously right so i loved it and i thought i did you watch Hall out the holly the first one um i actually have seen i i think 75 percent of that movie so i okay. had i i understood what was going yeah. on Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives it a little bit more meaning, but you can watch them stand alone as well. Totally. I it like, makes sense. Right. I like Jared better in Lit Up. Yes. I, I call it Haul Out the Holly, the lit version. <laughs> true, actually. <laughs> it's so true. So like overall, out of 10, what do you give the characters? Oh, we didn't do laughs. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Where's my brain? Um, An eight to a nine. Wow. I gave them a nine because I, I know, I just thought that they were very developed. Uh, I I Mm -hmm. love what you said. I felt like they made sense. Their banter made sense. There's these like nuances that you understand as the audience, Uh, the Johnsons, like incredible, like incredible. You love to hate them. It was so yes, good. Yes, exactly. Okay. How funny was this to you? I gave it a nine. I liked it more than the first one. Again, like I said, the humor was well well written with more thought. There was like some research. I felt like some of it was like actually intelligent on top right? of Woody. More than the usual Hallmark movie. And the comedic timing was on point. I, I have to agree. everything. It was so good. I also gave it a nine. And you know me, it takes a lot to make me laugh. And I laughed so much in this movie. I actually have like a, a whole bunch of quotes of just the one-liner, the quips, because they were so what? funny. I, know. I, and also, I can't wait to get to that. I laughed so much at the Nickelback references, like how much Nickelback like they loved Nickelback and I'm like am I missing something so my question to you like I loved it I thought it was funny because Nickelback is also a band that everyone loves to hate but like is that some type of inside joke or was it just thrown in there because it's funny I'm trying to remember but I can't remember if it was just Deck the Hallmark podcast or I feel like there was another Hallmark movie in which they actually like have that discussion about how everyone loves to hate Nickelback, but then everyone still listens to Nickelback. (laughs) So like, I couldn't remember where I felt like there were so many Easter eggs in there that I probably didn't get Mm. as much because I was like, there was a Travolta one. There was like, I'm like, I'm not, it was like, 
okay, this is why I loved it so much. I think because it's like similar to Gilmore Girls when you're watching it, there's all these references, but they don't explain it. I felt like right. this was like rife with references that they didn't mm. need to stop and explain it. And I didn't have to get all of them. But now probably every year, I feel like this is one of those movies that we'll probably watch every year, like in the background with the kids. Yeah. Like we we started doing that with like Three Wise Men and a Baby now. We watched yeah. it again this year. Like, <laughs> you know, because it was great. It's yeah, it's a mood lifter because of the laughs. Like, anyway, we can move on to overall, I guess, unless you have anything else there. No. So what did you give this movie overall? I gave it a nine. Actually, I was surprised that it got a nine. I gave it, it a nine a as nine. well. You we're did? yeah we're on the same wavelength like, yeah yeah because I lo- it was so versatile for me the first time I watched it was with friends that were going to crises and we needed a mood lifter and this was fantastic it like was. it was the perfect mood lifter mm-hmm. um and then the second time I watched it with my kids um and three of them so like a 15 year old a 14 year old and a 12 year old sat through the entire thing like a lot of other Hallmark movies, they'll get up and do other things. It kept sure. their attention the entire time. And there were laughs that they were like, oh, that's interesting. So anyway. I feel the same. It's a nine. It kept my attention from the moment it started to the moment it ended. I laughed. I teared up uh, when everyone's <laughs> holding the sparkler and oh my she's gosh. getting proposed to or she's leaving on the, the really? carriage. I did. I don't know why. I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so special. They're all there. <laughs> this movie had it all for I me. It. I love it. It truly did. It had something for everyone. My daughter was thrilled that there was a proposal at the end for her. <laughs> so it was perfect. I was like, yo, something for everyone. Fantastic. I love it. Well, let's get to the breakdown, our unique breaking script breakdown. Our first segment is What's Love Got to Do With It? It's Glimmers, What We Love, where we break down the romantic and family relationships. We usually start with Glimmers. I just have to mention this. My biggest glimmer, while we were watching Hall at the Holly, the lit version, The Way Home, season two preview came up in the commercials. (laughs) And my kids' reaction to the Way oh Home my Season gosh. 2 preview was just... Pre- <laughs> my daughter's sitting in the room as I'm recording. She's, like, holding her cheeks. Like, they're just... We cannot wait. I I didn't show them a wait. longer extended version. I know. They go to the 1800s. I don't think that's a spoiler alert. It's public. No. Um, but just so you guys know, it does premiere January 21st instead of January 15th, like we've said on previous episodes, they moved it. Um, Cannot wait. We're so excited. We're preparing for that. But for me, besides that, the biggest glimmer is growing up, we had a street called Candy Cane Lane. Do you guys have this in Canada Mm -hmm. where everyone goes to certain streets to see Christmas? You don't have this in Canada? You don't have like certain streets that everyone goes to? Yeah, kind of. But more... It's not like advertised. It's more like my family will go to certain streets, but maybe that's the thing. Oh, but they're not like named. No, I I realize that this is not in every city, but in the Valley, shout out to the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles County. Um, Candy Cane Lane, I think I've mentioned on a previous episode that I had this childhood friend growing up that in elementary school, like we always had pool parties at their house 
Yes. Um, there, what was at her grandparents' house, but her parents' house was right across the street and they had the most amazing tree house at her parents' house. <laughs> um, they lived on Candy Cane Lane. Like it's and actually it is called Candy m- Cane Lane. Like that's the Literally address. It's called, so the address is not called Candy Cane Lane, but everyone knows those streets are Candy Cane Lane. And you drive, it's like a parking lot huh. throughout the hallways. Okay, I've never, no, like, we don't have, not that I'm aware, we don't have something like this. So, so it's like not literally like, people, yeah, go ahead. So you're not, like there's a street name and or there's like just like a name. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's an, known it's just by, like people like just, a, I don't, I don't nickname. know how you know that it's there. There's a big sign that like when you're driving up to it now, it says Candy Cane Lane, but it's a neighborhood. It's literally not just one mm. street. It's like you drive up and down multiple streets in this neighborhood. And a lot of people will actually park. There's a junior college not far from there. And so a community college. And so literally like people will park and walk through the neighborhood. And there's literally one house. I don't know if it's still the same. Whoever's um, in the SFE, like, can you like shout out or put it in the, and put in the, uh, I'll put a poll question. <laughs> is Candy Cane Lane still there? And it's still the, this one house that is just like an insane level. I cannot imagine what their electricity bill is. Like, <laughs> it, it's like, they have like an, it's a small world. They have like animatronics. Oh my gosh. <laughs> at their house. Like people would get out of their cars and just walk around this house, like to look at all the things. Cause there's just so much. You can't take it amazing. all in by driving past it. Like it's amazing. There's no other candy cane lane that compares to the one in the San Fernando Valley. So when I watch Hall out the Holly lit up, I imagine that they are the neighborhood that is keeping candy cane lane alive. <laughs> We've talked about this. I know this is a long way to explain, but you guys, seriously, when you're watching these Hallmark movies, the more personal, like the more it brings up your personal memories, hang on yeah. to those glimmers because that's what I love about it. I think I can't wait to get to your quotes because I think it's going to be one of those like it has like elf and princess switch vibes. So, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is one of those that, like, we might have bits where we have quotes that come out of, yeah, this movie in midst of conversation. So that's my that's my biggest. What other what else we got here? Um, the Jolly Johnsons. I I know we said we love to hate them, but OMG, like, it was brilliant. It they did an incredible (laughs) job imitating what I'm actually not even calling the reality TV family. It's like the YouTube families. It's like that tropey. In the best way possible, these family vloggers that literally are so cringy and do everything for the views, like, this is that family. And I love the trope. Like, this is where tropiness is the best. Like, I'm giving it to Hallmark. I want you to be tropey here because it was so bad. It was good. Like, they were just, they were just so on point. And I hated it, but I loved it. Um, And then I also. Yes. I also just love Evergreen Lane. Like, I want to live there. The homes yeah. are spectacular. Um, Seriously. That, I just have to say that. My last glimmer, and this is probably my favorite thing, which we've already touched on in this whole movie, was the relationship between Ned and Pam. Like, mm-hmm. they were so funny. Those two the side best. characters, they were what made me laugh so hard. In this movie. Yeah. And they're who I got 100%. most of my like one-liners from. Anyways, I loved it. So good. Yeah. I mean, Pam is the one. Well, I love her. Did gets- you watch Reba? Mm-hmm. 
Did you watch Reba? Oh my goodness, that's where I know her from. That's no, why I, I loved her. I didn't watch to like watch it, watch it, but oh, who, what I character loved that does show. she play in that? Okay, so in re- the whole show Reba, it was about you know Reba's husband cheated on her, right? And Pam, what's her name in real life? Her name is Melissa Peterman. Yeah, so Melissa Peterman plays the the woman that Reba's husband cheated on and now he married her but she is hilarious and she wants to be best friends with Reba and Reba hates her but it is a funny show um yeah now looking back at it I'm like yeah really unhealthy we should review that one but uh, because there's a lot of interesting (laughs) dynamics that go on in that show but she was so funny in that show yeah yeah different type of funny in this one but overall she's just a hilarious actress I love her incredibly talented she gets credit for the fact that i'm gonna give you the definition of trauma in our (laughs) what's love got to do with it segment because i loved i was like how it was her words how do you get subterfuge and psychological warfare in a sentence in a hallmark movie that was banter between her and ned (laughs) and i felt like it was important because even though this was like a light and fluffy movie it's sure true comedic timing true comedy which you don't always find in hallmark but i loved it for that it did remind me of real life trauma in that can happen in a neighborhood like this or in this dynamic doesn't have to be a neighborhood it could be a group like this of this dynamic that's happening and so i felt like it was important because Listen, when Heidi and I did that episode, it came out really long, but there were so many things we wanted to go back and clarify. We're covering a perfectionist here. I'm so not a perfectionist anymore. <laughs> Obviously, I've moved so far, but I'm still like, there's still tendencies here. <laughs> but I felt like it was important because we never defined what trauma is. Mm. And so a definition of trauma by Dr. Paul Conti. Um, I actually found him on the Huberman Lab podcast. Um, Dr. Huberman is a neuroscience professor at Stanford. He's also the lab director at Stanford Med. But Dr. Paul Conti defines it as any experience or experiences that modify our brain and neural circuitry. So that could be like your brain or body or both in such mm. a way that we do not function as well emotionally. behaviorally or cognitively going forward from that experience and so I think it's really important Mm. to say like it doesn't have to be a huge event in your life um there's something it's not in the DSM but it's there's an awareness and it's being used a lot more now of there isn't just PTSD of post-traumatic syndrome disorder there's also complex PTSD CPTSD that comes from there are big capital T traumas is how experts will talk about it, where it's like you have an event Mm -hmm. that could change your experience emotionally, behaviorally, cognitively moving forward, or you can have little T traumas that happen over time. So like when you're living in a home where you're walking on eggshells for decades, or, you know, it's not just like one event, sometimes Mm -hmm. that can be even more damaging. So I just felt like it was really important to say that before we move into the, I, yeah, don't go chasing waterfalls today. But what else do you have? Do you have anything else for the what's up got to do with it? No, I didn't feel like in my in my opinion, like there was too much to comment on with the family relationships <laughs> patterns. But that's probably <laughs> because there's more in don't go chasing waterfalls. Exactly. Yeah. In the what's up got to do with it. We just love that it's just a great, it's a well done movie. Exactly. Lift some mood. 
will be in our holiday movie rotation probably from now on. So let's just move on to where we discuss unhealthy behaviors and coping mechanisms. And if you're new to the podcast, sometimes in the, uh, yeah, don't go chasing waterfalls segment, there is an nardar that comes out where it's like this siren that goes off of like, "Mm, I'm detecting um, some narcissistic personality disorder, some antisocial personality disorder, (laughs) toxic, destructive behavior going on. Um, I have to say, disclaimer here, don't go confront solo if you have your Nardar going off. This movie was the perfect representation that there is strength in numbers. Like you cannot have just one person. There's no point. There's no point in confronting. Don't go and tell a person that you think that they're a narcissist (laughs) or what they're doing wrong. Take someone with you. Um, but anyways go you dive in because I have so much here too okay so we'll start out with the obvious one I mean if we're being honest here the whole premise of this movie is a little bit crazy how strict and um rigid this HOA is all these people on this like power trip to manage this street like if we're if we think about it in real life um I would probably have a problem with this. I might not even live on that lane. Do you know what I mean? It's like do well, these people <laughs> want power in their jobs and they can't get it in their jobs, so they have this power on their street. Like it's a little it's bit intense. It's a I little think, intense. I think it's important to know that you're Canadian that doesn't have American. HOAs here. <laughs> exactly. So I don't know if this will translate globally. We mentioned this on a previous episode. Mm. Um, so let us know other countries. Do you have um, HOAs are homeowners associations where in America we have to pay a yearly or for some places it's a monthly kind of like a membership fee and you have HOA board meetings. It, it is kind of intense and there are certain in every city that I've lived in um, there are certain um, neighborhoods that are known. They're not called candy cane lane. Like I have from my childhood memories Um but they're like that. So there are rules. If you're in that neighborhood with their HOA, there's a certain time that you have to have your lights up and lights down. And you have to have a certain amount of decorations. Like it's strict. It's a thing. Mm. So if you buy a house there, it's this is for real is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not just a gimmick for this movie. Like this happens in real life. If you buy a house there, you have to agree to participate. Wow. But my thing is, <laughs> I have a hypersensitive, like, there's the Nardar, but then I have like a cult one that if any group, I'm not saying it's a healthy thing. I'm like, I have, um, it's hypervigilant for me. <laughs> like, yeah. anything. So if I have a whiff of a cult like symptom, I'm like, woo, my radar goes off. Because um, Emily says in the beginning, there's a lot of narration in this movie, which also isn't always a thing. So Emily's narrating, you know, because I think because it's a sequel. So they're trying to figure out a way of like right. bringing the last storyline into this one. And she says, you know, we love, we're, we're love, our neighborhood is so close, sometimes too close. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is this like a cult? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have this book that they decorate. Anyways, we're not going to go fully there, but I do want to say, Mm. I was so triggered by the conversation between Jared 
and mm -hmm. Mr. Johnson about that citation. Mm. Like I could feel it in my body. It was a very familiar conversation because he was trying to I've like been... minimize it and get out of it and just kind of yes. like, yes. And Jared is like, well, first of all, that was like, what is it? The, I can't, I lost count. I meant to go back and count like how many times they had tried to confront the Johnsons previously already. Right. Right. Cause the night, was it the night before or it was more than one night before um, Emily sent Jared over to go confront them. Oh, and then he ended up playing uh, in the band with them or instruments. And that's the whole Nickelback conversation. Yeah. With Emily, because then Emily gets enamored by the yeah. whole Nickelback thing. Yeah. And so they leave just like enamored instead of and didn't confront them at all. Yeah. Like zero. And then they tried again and it didn't work. And now. Because I definitely went through situations in my life where things were triggered and I found myself back um, wrestling with old codependent tendencies where I all of a sudden found myself in this place of, oh my gosh, I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. And went through years of just like being afraid of saying the wrong thing. Hmm. Um, and that can come from, from just unhealthy situations. Like, sure. and it wasn't in just one situation. It'd be like my entire, that's often when you're coming out of covert abuse, you find like, oh my gosh, this is affecting like every area of my life. Right. And so it was so like real for me. We're like, like this, they were dealing with unlawful placement of a sonic amplitude device. First of all, that is brilliant writing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they did that. But yeah, I was so triggered. Like I even wrote stuff down. Like the conversation started, there was a little bit of love bombing because Jared comes and he's like, going to come confront him and that's when Mr. Johnson reminds him that he has a nickname Jingle Jared it's got a ring to it like they're trying to love bomb you with like belonging like we're not besties yet but I have such a good feeling about us I know and then the way that Jared says it I was like oh. <laughs> been there done that got the t-shirt I feel <laughs> he's like so afraid to like confront and you have to understand like the way that my mom raised me, I was not afraid of speaking my mind. I've had, I had opinions for decades. I was never afraid of speaking up. And all of a sudden for about an entire decade, I was like Jared, where he's like, so I've heard you put up these speakerphones and everyone can hear the same music. <laughs> like you're not confronting like what the problem actually is. Like you're like yeah. beating around the bush. Right. And actually makes the situation worse. Um, and he actually says, I find them adorable actually, but like, maybe you need to ask permission next time. Oh my gosh, dude, assertiveness, spit it out, spit it out. But I feel you. <laughs> I'm feeling it in my feels. Um, and that's when, you know, Mr. Johnson's like, but I thought you love music. We're friends. Ho, 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 ha, ha, laugh it off. You're fine. Right. Like, uh, mm. and instead of like confronting it, right. I was like, it would be nice for a heads up. Oh, okay. This is your heads up. And then they, the conversation moves into like where the love bombing person turns it into like, but it's like a little bit of victim into yeah. it. And it's causing yeah. this swirl of confusion. He's like, look, I can disconnect it, but like it messes things up and I can't explain it. Well, you have to ask my son, but I just know they have to work together like this neighborhood. And then you're pulling in like yeah. other topics to pull on the person's emotions. Yeah. And Jared's like, I understand, but it's not the way we do things here. And he's like, well, how do we do things here? <laughs> How do we do things here, guys? Instead of spitting it straight up, he says, 
we have a system to celebrate Christmas to the fullest. I was like, oh my gosh, I've done that. I've done that where I'm like, I've, I'm like candy coating and making it look prettier. Yeah. And I'm privileged to push that system forward. This is for your own good and the good of the community. What? I know. You're entering a neighbor's yard without permission. I actually decided to look up like what's required in order to um, file a restraining order. And this qualifies because it's like harassment. Mm. Like it could be a legal thing. But anyways, I could go off on that. But <laughs> and then and then it ends with why don't you do the honors and turn on the lights? Oh, no, no. Oh, okay. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I have to highlight this part. When Jared is saying that he's going to give him a citation anyway, even after that conversation, the Mr. Johnson says, but I thought we were becoming friends. And Jared's like, but the citation doesn't have to affect our friendship. You guys, there's a real life situation wow. happening in our lives right now where I was like, yes, I love you. <laughs> you're, you're saying you're treating me like it's betrayal, but it's not betrayal. Mm. sorry I could I could get on a soapbox about that so I think we should move on what else you got here I would say so something that I it's funny that you're talking about this because I'm definitely not I am not a um I I, I struggle to address things I'm like very much like Jared I totally identify with him in that scene um mm -hmm. and I'm actually working on it because if you don't address things, you become resentful. Yeah. <laughs> and uh you that's not a good place to be. Um, but I also what brought to mind the the Johnsons is this concept that I've also learned in therapy. Love therapy, guys. Just like I have a, a wonderful therapist. I love her. <laughs> I want to take her on vacation with me. Like I want her to be with me all the time. Anyways, yes. the definition of will willingness and will willfulness. Um, mm -hmm. And so you learn about this a lot in therapy because everyone has areas of willfulness in their life. And so willingness, though, is accepting what is and responding in an effective and appropriate way. And the opposite is willfulness, which is trying to control deliberately or stubbornly doing something and it's about digging in your heels and refusing to accept reality and i think the johnsons are the definition of willfulness you know they come to this street and immediately just believe they have better ideas they're not accepting of what's happening they don't respect authority they they don't aren't willing to kind of support what's happening in the community and it creates a lot okay. of tension and chaos and yes i just felt like this was such I, we all have this in er, areas of our life where we you know come into a situation someone's giving you instruction someone's giving you advice or they're doing something and you feel like you know better or you want it to be better anyways i just thought that this was a really great picture of willingness and willfulness my the nardar was going off strong there was so much gaslighting and confusion swirling yeah. and then they got ned as a flying monkey i'm throwing out all these terms because you can go research them yourself um they turned ned against the rest of the group i mean come on and then this might overlap into our next session but or the next segment but the punishment is 
if you don't follow citations is to go to an ugly sweater party. I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> My thinking is like, okay, it's money. And if you don't pay, it's going to go to collections and you're going to ruin your credit. <laughs> that is a real consequence. <laughs> yeah. That Not is, a party. You get fined in HOAs. Yeah. It's a for real thing. And then in terms of like the unlawful placement of sonic amplitude devices, and while they did a really good job picking a really annoying song with those gnomes. Um, no, but it was the, like, the, that that's the annoying thing is it was the Johnson singing it. So they also just <laughs> thought they were amazing that they recreated all these Christmas songs. And that's what's playing in the neighborhood. Like, talk about like, ugh, gross. Icky. Subterfuge like, and yeah. psychological warfare. It like, that they think was they're really the best. Appropriate. Like, why do it you is... think everyone wants to hear you sing? Like, they don't. I hate that attitude. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think there's so much we could get heated on here. Shall we move on to the way with the Pluto's already? Yeah. It's where we break down plot holes, continuity issues, the wait, what? And what we didn't like. I have, I mean, this isn't huge, but I feel like it's a big thing. Because I love this movie, but I did have a point of contention. Okay. It is not as jolly in the realm of Coles de sac did you know that's a good i learned that from gilmore girls <laughs> that the plural of cul-de-sac is not cul-de-sacs it's coles de sac <laughs> anyway uh did anyone else find that funny okay so it's just not as christmasy mm. and i had to go back and check like i felt like fall out the holly even though i didn't like the storyline as well why was it not as Christmassy? Because I was like, well, there's Christmas decorations. Like the street didn't feel as Christmassy. Okay. Hmm. Do you know why? Why? It's because the trees and the bushes aren't flocked. There's no snow. Oh. On the, there's snow on the ground. Like it felt more, there was so much more snow in the first call out the holly. Oh. That shocked me. I was really surprised. And hmm. one of the houses had like snowflake it was like um a white and blue motif yeah so i am realizing like if you don't have as much like red green gold it doesn't feel as christmasy true because like in the background in the first one it was like there was so much of that yeah it just wasn't it i don't know the the outside decorations weren't as impressive in this one i don't feel like so anyways you're welcome now you know <laughs> i i agree I to go back and check and you know what's funny is like I actually really don't have anything for this area. I mean, because the, the things that I don't like were you weren't supposed to like in this movie, like the Johnsons. Yes. Um, and I actually thought continuity, aside from you're right, the decorations weren't as elaborate. I thought everything was really great. It made sense to me. I think the only thing that, and it's more of my own wondering, is like, what does this street what do these people do from January to October? <laughs> like what happens? Yeah. Well, that's, that's so really what this, I want to know. This is a very real thing. Like, first of all, in this movie, both movies, Haul Out the Holly, the first one, and Lit Up, like their HOA meetings are awfully close to Christmas in a true candy cane lane, like evergreen lane place. Yeah. Your HOA meetings are done way before you're you're not having HOA meetings about Christmas stuff in December. 
That was, these things are planned way in advance. These neighborhoods mm-hmm. are intense. Um, and so that was my thing is in one of the HOA meetings, I counted the number of people sitting on the couch. Uh-huh. They represented 10 houses, tops. How are you going to run a Christmas carnival on Evergreen Lane with 10 houses? It just doesn't happen. True. Like, true. There, and Grant, like, there was a lot, like, listen, listen, there was a lot more people at the snowball fight. Like, how small is this cul-de-sac? And how, like, how are you holding your Christmas? Like, don't call it a Christmas carnival <laughs> when it's just, like, hot chocolate and arts and crafts. That's not a carnival. Don't call it a That's carnival. That's true. That's that true. That was bothering me. But, yeah, and then just the non-speaking extras in the HOA meeting, because if <laughs> they speak, you got to pay them different. Um, And they were sitting on the couches next to the speaking actors i don't know it just gets me like give them something like they're just sitting there silent with empty cups that's the biggest thing on a hallmark like groups and discussions is like stop giving these actors <laughs> empty cups they're like swinging these cups it's so true supposed to having hot chocolate it's anyway. so true those are my only things actually i picked one for you i wasn't sure if you were gonna get it uh was it Did the you plastic on that- the stairs Oh, I didn't even catch that. There was plastic on the stairs. Okay, that was the only thing, but I'm like, it could be. Yeah, so there, um, Emily is in the kitchen baking, and I think she's talking to Jacob, or sorry, Jared, and she looks, or the camera points to her, and in the back, there is a little bit of stairs, and there's blue plastic over the carpet, which is indicative, like, they do this when they're, like, mm-hmm. setting things up so that in people- In production, yeah. Yep, and I was like, oh, someone forgot to take that off but it was wow, so quick catch that it was so quick I anyways were... i i wasn't even gonna mention it but okay that's hilarious i was gonna comment on there was what are with the things on the cabinet doors guys oh I, i've never really decorated necessarily on on the cabinet doors the way they do like smack dab in the middle like a ton of things on the cabinets and yeah maybe like for little kids like the Klingon things but there was these like I don't even know what it was like. Imagine if it was like where a a stock of wheat or a bunch of wheat oh. meets a cinnamon broom, but they're painted gold and tied together, and it was just huh. slapped on a couple of the cabinet doors. And I was like, "What is that? Wow, I missed and that. How does okay, that constitute as a Christmas you. decoration?" <laughs> and then they had a wrapped gift as walled, like a rectangle wrapped gift as wall decoration interesting wow i missed. I just that. didn't get it there was a whole lot of tinsel garland in this yes one. it was in like all the trees <laughs> it was on the train like anyways those i can end there because i can't wait to hear your quotes but let's let's move on oh no we can't move on i have one big it's not big but it's big Okay. At the very end, when they're setting up for the proposal, why is Ned riding with Emily? What is the purpose? He doesn't do anything at the actual proposal. Well, isn't he the one driving the horses? No, he's riding on the side. Oh, he's like one of those Did back in the that? olden days, like <laughs> the olden days, um, like the stage coachman. But I think he was just like necessary. escorting her. I know. I was like, they just needed him a lizard like what is happening okay 
that's a Cinderella reference, if you didn't know. The Amazon Prime version, which is my favorite with Camilla Cabello. Okay, we cannot move on. Actually, my daughter had to remind me of this. It was at the beginning of my notes and I, I lost it. I forgot. And actually, when this was happening, um, the women in crises that I was sitting with, my friends that were sitting with me watching it the first time, was like, yeah, you can't go confront them. That's not going to end well. When you are confronting someone with destructive behavior, it's not the same as when you're talking to a healthy person. You have to manage your expectations. And again, there's strength in numbers. If there's something you absolutely do have to address, then do it. But otherwise, gray rock, people. Gray rock. Look it up. But there's never a thing, because my daughter reminded me, she's like, you didn't say we hated the ending. Like, you don't have all this drama that is triggering our lowercase t trauma <laughs> and then have like wrap it up in this ending at the Christmas tree where it's like, we just want to have a joyful Christmas. That's full of love. You know, that whole killing it with kindness thing that looks different when you're dealing with someone destructive, it's still love and kindness. The love and kindness just has to look different. And the person don't expect them to be like, yes, we just want to be the Johnsons again on the jolliest street ever. That is a Hallmark ending. That is not real life. I just had to make sure that was included. We had to like come back and re-record this, you guys. That's how important that is. <laughs> Don't forget. Moving on. Is our Jayo fighting happily ever after is what we think happens after the movie and who we are rooting for. Well, I mean, <laughs> the only thing I have is I want to see an Evergreen Lane wedding next Christmas. <laughs> Oh, that's you took what, it out of my mouth. That was that's that's what my daughter wanted. Like, well, my kids know now. Like, so they get married next year, right? Is that going to be the movie for next year? It has to like, be, right? And I I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, right? Lacey Chabert. I mean, she has so many trilogies. She has double the trilogies for her Wedding Veil. It's not my favorite. Don't necessarily recommend that one. But it's cool. It's got three female leads. So that's fun. They have a sisterhood. And she has another one with Brennan Elliott. She has a lot of trilogies is what I'm trying to say. So lots of Hallmark trilogies. It's hey, well, let's happen. add this one to it. I said, I honestly don't care as long as you keep the humor and keep Candy Cane Lane alive for me. Because in my mind, I know it's called Evergreen Lane. But to me, I'm like, this is about Candy Cane Lane. And I just love it so I much. I love it. That's all I got there. I can't wait to get to your quotes. Okay, so then let's just get to them. I have four, but I realize they are missing the context. So nobody will probably <laughs> think that they're funny except for me. Uh, so the first one is, I believe it's at the HOA meeting and they're fighting about something, Ned and um, Pam. And Pam says to Ned, to Ned, Ned, no one cares. Time is an illusion. She literally <laughs> says it like that. Um, then they're talking about singing and Ned says to Pam, I've got a tuning fork with your name on it, which it was so funny. It was like the the comedic timing. You guys are missing Seriously. the context, but hopefully this will make you laugh. Um, then Pam says to Ned, when he switches teams to being on the Jolly Johnsons and he wins yes. the um, the cookie contest for the Johnsons, uh, <laughs> Pam confronts him and says, you're my third emergency contact right after Alan and the dog sitter. Like, as if that's a, you know, a great thing. Um, and then the last one is Ned when the Johnsons are at the door 
to the ugly sweater Christmas party and Jared and Emily realize like they're not there for the ugly sweater Christmas party and they've converted Ned to their team. And as Ned leaves, he yells, Viva la resistance! And then he runs away. <laughs> you guys have to watch it to get uh, the context. No. But it was so funny. And like Nini said, it mostly was about the comedic timing of these of these one-liners. Yeah. So I loved them. Yeah, for sure. I loved the banter. Fantabulous banter. Wonderful movie to sit and watch as a family. Or while you're wrapping Christmas presents. It just brings so much joy lifts the mood extended glimmer but i do want to say as we're going into the holidays these are just my final thoughts because this movie made me think of it like boundaries folks boundaries Boundaries. we all need boundaries and ways to communicate them i can't emphasize enough get heidi mills boundaries workbook um i'll link it in the show notes on her stand store it's so easy it's just a pdf download but i cannot recommend it enough so and be sure to tune in make sure you hit the the little bell next to the follow (laughs) button if you haven't yet because you want to get the alert when we publish episode six of the way home it is the most epic episode of the season wouldn't you say for sure for sure Thanks for breaking script with us. Please share your glimmers by leaving a review for our show in Apple Podcasts and share our show on your social media and tag the Breaking Script Podcast. We'll see you again next time. Bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.